Liverpool 3 0. Corner taken quickly, Origi! Allez, Le Rouge, the Reds are in another Champions League final. Welcome to the Anfield Central podcast. My name is Luke, and I'm joined by James, as always. And yeah, another Champions League final, James. That was a nice way to spend your Tuesday evening, I'm sure. Yeah, not too bad. Third one in, in my lifetime, but under Jurgen Klopp. But, you know, it's a it's a heart attack FC all over again, isn't it? They never do things the easy way. Yeah, after after about two minutes in the game against Villarreal, I think we were all a bit worried. And then at halftime, we were even more worried. But they got the job done in the end, a 3-2 victory in Spain over Villarreal and it really was the epitome of a game of two halves wasn't it yeah I mean you know fair play to Villarreal you know you look at the way they started the game and for a, a, a city town you know that only has 50,000 uh, people living in it you know the, the atmosphere they created there and you know the way they got behind them I think even at Anfield they created you know good away atmosphere and I just think you know Liverpool just were so many changes were made to the weekend against Newcastle. I think then when you throw everybody back in, I think it can take some some players a bit of time to find the rhythm. And for all credit to Villarreal, you know, they took credit of it. Um, and, you know, I think we've, me and you have said it on this on the show countless times and, you know, even before this, that Liverpool can be absolutely dreadful and awful in the first half and can't string any passes together. And then all of a sudden they go in at halftime and come out looking like a completely different team. And even when, you know, Liverpool are 2-0 down, you're still confident they're going to go through. You know, you still look at that forward line of, you know, Mane, Jota and Salah, and even though he brought Diaz on, you still look at them and go, still a goal in this team. And even if they just get the one goal, they're going through. Um which is always good. And it's always like these options we've got coming off the bench that we've spoke about so many times. But yeah, game of two halves, dreadful first half, but absolutely brilliant second because Villarreal didn't get out of their own half that second half. Yeah, Everything you say there is completely correct, but we're not a little bit worried at halftime given just how poor it was because, as you say, we've seen, you know, we've seen Liverpool not perform straight out of the blocks in games before and get the job done. I think of the Merseyside derby a few weeks ago in recent memory. The first half was really difficult for Liverpool and Everton's game plan was was going quite well. But yesterday, it seemed to be particularly bad for whatever reason. Were you still as confident as you sound now at, actually at half-time yesterday that we'd still go through? Because I think a lot of Liverpool fans were fearing the worst. I mean, if you speak to anyone I was sat with watching the game, they'll, they'll probably tell you a difference of what I'm going to say. But I just thought half-time came at the right time. For Villarreal, another five minutes, I think they had another goal in them. And it was a bit like when we played City in the FA Cup. It, it, halftime came at the right time for City because the momentum stops and then you start afresh from, from, again. Um, I just thought if the game became a little bit more stretched, I think it suited Liverpool down to the ground. Um, if I'm being honest with you, I was dreading it. So I was dreading going into the second half. I had all my mates in the group chats laughing their heads off. And that just adds to it because you've got to deal with them afterwards and deal with them during the game. So, yeah, I was probably about 70, 30 of us going through. And then when that Fabinho, Fabinho goal went in, you know, that was it. It was <laughs> shirts off, swinging them around time. And it was those 12 minutes, as you say, three goals in 12 minutes for Liverpool really turned it around. So let's not dwell on the first half too much because... 
you know, we all know, I think you explained it really well there, Villarreal, what Liverpool is in 20 minutes, Skull at um, 0-0, and I think we've probably been all right. But the fact that they scored so early, sloppy defending for both goals, probably from both fullbacks were to blame for, you know, for the first one, Robertson didn't really track the run of Kapue, who gets the ball back across, and then Trent Alexander-Arnold doesn't cover himself in glory, does he really, for the Coughlin um, header. But looking at that second half, I think the main difference was obviously the addition of Luis Diaz to to the game at half-time in, in place of Diego Jostrin. Again, I feel like a broken record, but <laughs> what a difference <laughs> it has to have an option like him coming off the bench. And I think now, if the Champions League final is tomorrow, then Diaz for me is the first name out of those front three fours that I'm having on the team sheet, which seems absolutely mental given <laughs> what the other four options we do have is that someone that's came in. I can't ever remember a player making such an impact in such a short space of time for a team like Liverpool in, in terms of an elite club, if you know what I mean. There's a lot of teams who will make signings in January transfer window and they'll need them to make, have a reaction. But a team like Liverpool who, you know, they don't buy loads of players in transfer windows. We've had transfer windows where we've not signed anyone in recent memory. Um, and to come in and just look so at home in a team that just demands such high standards every single week, it's just remarkable. Um, you look at the difference between him and Jota yesterday was chalk and cheese. I think every time Diaz got the ball, the ball was stuck at his feet. He was always looking to take the man on. And, uh, you know, we keep saying it again and again with Jota. Yes, he's absolutely clinical when he's in front of goal, but with the ball at his feet, you know, it, it, he's not the greatest out of that front five, you know, the, for me, you know, and, and included in that. Um, and Jurgen Klopp got it absolutely spot on. The substitutions worked again. You know, he brings Diaz on, who for some reason, Fife went man to man with him, which I couldn't believe he was going with because Diaz is, you know, up there with Salah as, as the quickest player in the Liverpool squad. Um, and he's definitely by far the trickiest. I think nobody seems to know how to deal with him so far in terms of he can either go inside you or he can go outside you. Um, and he's just a completely you know, different player to what we've got. And like you said, I think the only person I can compare him to is, is, is when Luis Suarez came in in that January transfer window where, you know, for the first couple of months, nobody knew how to work out Luis Suarez. Was he was he going to dummy it outside you? Was he going to cut inside you? Was he going to hit it with his left or his right? And you know, I think obviously Liverpool have bit the bullet and, and gone for that transfer earlier than what they would have liked, you know, doing it in January than the summer. But, you know, without him coming on, I, I don't think we would have won that game. And it could be the difference with the trophies um, that are up for grabs this season. We're going to speak a little bit later on about the quadruple narrative that is every every game that passes by seems to be being mentioned again and again. But you just wonder where Liverpool would be without without signing Diaz because there's been games this season. The Everton game again is an, is a good example where he comes on and Origi uh, as well may obviously made the difference, but he just looks so at home on that left-hand side and the way that he can just glide past players and knock it past someone. And he's just got a bit of everything as well, hasn't he? He doesn't seem to... He can he can beat you for pace. He can beat, beat you with skill. He's you know he's not afraid to tackle. He he's already seems to have got the pressing game that Klopp demands completely under control on. But occasionally he does lose the ball, which is going to happen with creative players. Creative players lose the ball. That's part of the... You know, it's going to happen, but... Like we see with Salah and Mane and Firmino, 
he's right back in the fullback position trying to win the ball back in those occasions that he does win it. So the culture of the club seems to have rubbed off on him or obviously he probably had that work ethic in him already from when he was playing in Portugal. And it just seems like an absolute perfect fit. Yeah, it's become a match made in heaven really for us. And I think he's going to be another one of those players where, you know, he was probably disappointed to start, not to start last night. You know, he's probably disappointed to be on the bench, but he's come on with the right attitude. He's, you know, he's had a big impact in the way, you know, Liverpool went about winning the game. Even as a, as a winger, you know, the, the space he creates for himself for that second goal, keeps himself on sides, which is the main, you know, big thing, you know, with VAR this day and age. You know, you were a bit nervous about celebrating that one, but he was clearly onside. Um, and yeah, I, I, he's probably not started as many games as he would have wanted for us. And he's probably not started as many games as you know, me or you might have liked, really. I think now he's got to start every game between now and the end of the season because I think he, I think he gives us the best chance to win, especially when, you know, you put Mane down the middle, who, you know, we saw him down the left-hand side again last night. And he just doesn't look as, as good as he does in that number nine position. Um, and obviously, putting Joss, uh, putting Diaz on that left hand side brings out the best in him, and it brings out the best in Mane. I think that's the difference, isn't it? Between when you when you're debating Diaz or Jota for that third spot, it's what Diaz also brings out in Mane, which I think at the moment is giving them the edge for most Liverpool fans in what is the best front three. Um, and again, just a fantastic mentality from from all of the players. Really, you heard you know the interviews with Virgil Van Dijk and Mo Salah after the game talking about what Klopp was saying to them at half-time. He, he was just kind of saying, you just need to play football, which we weren't really doing at all in the first half. Whether that was the momentum that the crowd gave Villarreal or the tricky conditions, or maybe if there was a little bit of complacency, I'm not sure exactly what what the reasoning was or a combination of all those factors, but we just couldn't really string a few passes together, like you say. And every time the ball was going back to Canate or Van Dijk or even Alisson, they were just kicking it, you know, kicking it long every time. Kaita was poor, Thiago was poor, but the mentality in the second half, just to kind of forget what had came literally 15 minutes before and come out with a completely fresh new approach. We talk about mentality monsters as a tagline we've given Klopp's Liverpool teams over the last few years. And I think last night was another fantastic example of that. Yeah, I think if you're Manchester City looking at this Liverpool team, because um, let's be honest, the, the City squad would have been watching the game last night. You know, you see Liverpool go 2-0 down. Is this going to derail the title charge? Is it going to derail, you know, the quadruple? City will then become favourites for the for the Champions League. And then, like you said, in the space of 12 minutes, Liverpool are in the final. They're still in a chance of in the quadruple and the confidence is going to be high going into the final four games. It's It, it really really was one of, those, one of those games where you look at Liverpool in that first half. And like you said, even... Thiago, who Liverpool's best passer in the team, you know he was looking off, awful on the ball. Naby, for some reason, just kept playing passes back to Canate and and Van Dijk, but they were nowhere near Canate and Van Dijk. And there was a few times where, you know, the, the penalty um, where, where Villarreal felt they should have had, which Allison does very well to get onto. It was his back pass that leads to that, and I just think, you know. The, the atmosphere that Villarreal created and especially with that first goal going in within the first two minutes, it it, it, it had disaster written all over it, really. Um, you, you know, you've seen it not just in Liverpool games, but games in the Champions League. This is what the competition's all about, where, you know, the game can change within the first five minutes of the second leg or the final five minutes of a second leg. It's, it's what everybody loves about the Champions League. But I think... 
you know, if you're a neutral watching that or you're a Manchester City player watching that, you know, a part of you has got to be thinking, when does this team lie down and die? Because we weren't great against City. We come away with a 2-2 draw, which has kept us in the title race. Weren't great against Everton, win 2-0. Weren't great against Newcastle, win 1-0. Weren't great last night, through to the final. It, it just seems to be that you're going to, even if Liverpool... Uh, playing at 50%, you've still got to play at 150% to try and get something out of the game. And how much praise needs to go, looking at last night specifically against a Jürgen Klopp, because there was a lot of talk on social media and I think, you know, we can't, for all the faults that Twitter fans seem to have, I don't think many, we can blame many people last night for, you know, wanting wholesale changes at half-time. A lot of people were calling for Jordan Henderson to come on for that stability in the midfield and you know, take your pick who comes off. He could have took off Cato, he could have took off Thiago, he could have took off, you know, Mane and Jota, Robertson, you know, wasn't playing brilliantly. Maybe you could put Simicast on at halftime, but he only made the one change, which was Diaz for Jota. And a lot of people, I think, were a bit surprised, particularly with Hen- that Henderson didn't come on at, at, at halftime for, in that midfield. But it was almost like he was giving the players a chance to get themselves out of the mess that they'd, they'd caused. And I think it's just a great example of his man man management again obviously something needed to change which was the attacking the attacking change with Diaz for Jota but where a lot of people and a lot of managers probably would have made at least two maybe three subs at half time which could completely disrupt the rhythm of a team that's used to playing together he kind of kept it to the tried and tested formula in a way with that midfield that we've seen a little bit more in recent weeks and the back four sticking with that and still having Mane and Salah there and then we reap the rewards because Diaz did what Diaz does, but the rest of them really up their games and they probably wanted that opportunity to show what they can do and get themselves out of the mess that they caused, as I say. And it's brilliant because we've seen teams before hook a few players at half-time and they still go on to lose the game. But it was kind of a lot of the players that actually started the match ended up contributing massively to the win. Fabinho, I think Thiago is much better second half. Cater particularly was really good in the second half where he was, you know, his performance kind of encapsulated the whole game, didn't it? Cater's first half performance compared to his second half performance, but he could have came off at halftime. However, he's now had that amazing 45 minutes in the second half and he's probably absolutely bouncing. Yeah, well, I think it just goes up to sum up Naby's career at Liverpool anyway, <laughs> the first and second half, but it felt to me like as, as soon as that second half, the halftime whistle blew for, for, the, for the second half to kick off, that it was almost like a reset. And it was like, forget that first half. Forget your performance. The game starts now. And he, and I th- think he realised that his, his best front three is probably Diaz, Mane and Salah. And I, I think he's, from my thinking, is he, you know, he said to the players, Right, the 90, the 90 minutes starts now. We're resetting this game. Just imagine the first leg was 2-2. And we're going to go out on a clean slate now. And and that's how it was, the, the, the confidence that the players had. I mean, Fabinho has no right to be stood on the edge of the box to receive, to receive that ball. And, um, and obviously the turn and, and the goal. And then obviously you've got Diaz in there. And Trent looked a different player in the first half. His crosses... Even if he got a chance to put a cross in, they were poor. They were straight at the keeper. But the second half, he looked a lot better whipping the ball. And Thiago was dropping that right and left shoulder to dodge players like we've seen him do time and time again. Van Dijk was pushing people off the ball like he, like he normally does. And they were just a completely different team. Like I said, we've seen it under Jurgen Klopp where 
been abysmal first half, absolutely fantastic second half. But, you know, you get that first goal and then you bring the likes of Jordan Henderson on who, you know, I'm, I'm, we're not going to, we're not saying, you know, in any words that he's Liverpool's you know, best midfielder ability-wise. But in terms of what he offers in leadership, his running, uh, his commander of where players should be, he gets the ball. He, you know, he's always asking for the ball. He, you know, he knows he's not the most talented, gifted player on the ball with Thiago playing alongside him, but he's always asking for it. And he's always moving it along quick. So substitutions have been a saving grace for Jurgen Klopp this season. I think you know, we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago on here that it's something that he's massively, massively improved on. Um, in terms of when to make subs and, and who to bring on. And I think even Curtis Jones, he only had one touch of the ball, I think, and almost caught. So everyone seemed, everyone you know, had an impact when they came on last night, which is all you can ask as a manager. Um, and the players really stepped up to dig themselves out of the hole that they put themselves in. Because like you said, you know, you've got to play, the, Jurgen Klopp's put you in there. You know, you've obviously talked about how you want to play and how Villarreal play. You've obviously not listened to the message. You've not took everything on board. And, you know, like you said, you've got to dig yourselves out of it. And, you know, luckily and thankfully they did. And now that's incredibly the third Champions League final in Klopp's tenure at the club. Three Champions League finals in five years. And since we've last recorded, Jürgen's obviously signed a new contract as well to keep him at the club until 2026. So I think a lot of fans were, you know, pleasantly surprised. By that, well, as I'm putting it mildly, pleasantly delighted by by that news because a lot of people probably thought that when 2024 does arrive, that might have been his, his year to go to leave, which was only two two years away. Um, given the comments he's made in the past about not wanting to stay in football forever, he wants to try new things. He doesn't want to be a Sir Alex Ferguson or Arsene Wenger, you know, on the sideline in the, in in, this, in his seventies. However, he's he's put pen to paper. Very much thanks to to, to Eula for the his wife for helping with that one. I think she's um, also <laughs> had a banner at the game last night, didn't she? Um, but just it's just the whole club's got such a great feel good factor around it at the moment. Given what we could achieve this season, but also with Jurgen Klopp, now we know he's going to be here for another four years. It's almost like obviously what, we can't predict the future, but the good times are here to stay for a little bit longer. Yeah, I think if you look at you know, in terms of his contract and Pep's only got a year left on his, you know, will Pep stay for another few years? If he doesn't, then I think Klopp's got the running of the Premier League for, you know, for the next three, four years. It, you know, it's going to be absolutely massive for him. Jamie Carragher said once again on I think it was CBS he was working on last night where he said, this team deserves more trophies. This Manchester City team have been able to back up the stance as the Premier League's greatest ever team because of how many trophies they've won. Whereas Liverpool have had a brilliant team, but just haven't got across the line. But it, it, you know, words can't describe how big it is to have somebody like that because obviously the rumours start going because Gerard's contract at Villa was running out in 2024 and Klopp's contract's running out in 2024 and people were putting two, two and two together and getting seven, uh, thinking that you know, it was gonna, that was going to be the changing of the guards. But you know, three Champions League finals in five years, he's already equaled. How many Fergie got for United in in the all the years he was there, yeah. That's great. which for a guy who dominated English football for as long as he did with Manchester United, to have equaled his, his European record um, for getting to finals is brilliant. If he wins it, then he'll obviously equal Fergie's Champions League wins because Fergie's got two and, and Klopp's got the one. But 
Um, I think it goes to show not just what he's thinking, but you know, his family has settled in the city. You know, for for his wife to say you can't leave these, you can't tell me you're you're going to leave these people in two years, just goes to show that she's embodied the city. And I mean, to, it's easy to say it as a fan, but if you look at what he's built, why would you leave? These players are, are, are still at the peaks. You know, they're still going to be at the peaks in the next two, three, four years because of how they're conditioned. And we're seeing players, you know, look at Ronaldo at 37 playing, you know, scoring goals, playing at a high level every single week because of how he's looked after himself. And that's what Liverpool have prided themselves on since Jurgen Klopp's come in with the conditioning. So, you know, it's, it's absolutely massive to have the best Liverpool manager in, in my lifetime to, to commit to another two years. And I think it goes to say more about the man that Jurgen Klopp is, where he wasn't going to stay unless all his backroom staff could stay. Yeah. And I think it's been reported that Klopp isn't going to get a pay rise with the new contract, but all his backroom staff are getting a salary increase, yeah. which, which just goes to show it. You know, he's not just a man. Off on the pitch, you know, he, he's a gentleman off it. Yeah, 100%. And we know that when this contract does come to an end in 2026, that would be 11 years in the job. You know, up, he's up there then with the, the likes of Bill Shankly and Bob Paisley in terms of games managed. Um, and just how big of an impact do you think it will be on the likes of Mane and the likes of Salah, who we know have got contract negotiations that are going to in the headlines probably for the next six to 12 months. Salah particularly has been one that we've debated before on the show and a lot's been talked about whether he will stay or not um, beyond the, 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 the deal that runs out in 2023. Now that Klopp's committed to the club till 2026, do you think that's going to help a lot more in negotiations with, well, particularly Salah, because that's the one that's making the biggest noise, isn't it, at the moment with his agent and, and the reports from Fabrizio Romano saying that he's rejected the offer on the table. That's kind of the big headline grabbing one. Do you think Klopp committing is more likely for Salah to, to get his contract sorted out? 100%. I think it's, it's, you know, it's a massive thing where, you know, in two, if Salah does sign a four-year deal or whatever he's looking to sign, for half of that deal, it'd be a new manager, new style of play and, and a transition. And do you want to be doing that at, at, at the age Salah would be? And, and at the, you know, the point of his career when, you know, he could be in you know, PSG or Real Madrid, Barcelona, you know, earning more money and scoring goals in those leagues exactly like he would in the Premier League. So, you know, you, you look at, I think the one thing that Liverpool, apart from the Salah one at the moment, the one thing they have done very well is handling contract situations. You know, we've got Fabinho on a long-term contract. We've got Alisson on a long-term contract. Trent, Robertson. Got young players like, you know, Canate. Um, so there is, there is a feeling that this team could be around till 2026. There's nothing to say that, obviously, maybe Thiago or Henderson might not be there, but you know, the core of this Liverpool team will still be there in 2026, which... If you're Mo Salah and you're thinking about what you what you want to do over the next four years, you know, looking at it, there's nothing to say that Salah can't add another two, three Premier League titles to his name, put himself down there as potentially the greatest players to have ever played in the Premier League alongside, you know, Thierry Henrys and and players of that ilk. So if 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 this can't convince him to to, to sign a new contract, then I'm I'm not really sure what would. Um but you know. 
the, the Liverpool fan in me has signed the contract because, you know, as, as Klopp said to, to Coutinho, if you leave, you just could be another player. But if you stay here, they're going to be building statues. And, you know, no doubt if Salah stays to win another two, three Premier Leagues, you know, he will be talked about as one of Liverpool's greatest ever players, if not the greatest. Yeah, fingers crossed that that gets sorted. I think this summer might be a big summer in terms of there's no international tournament in the summer. Obviously, the World Cup's at the end of the year. So it might be a time where this kind of stuff gets ironed out, hopefully. And um, yeah, going back to the Champions League final, that like we've now qualified at the time of recording, don't know who the opponent is, but going to Paris, that's Liverpool's 10th European Cup slash Champions League final in the club's history. They've only played in 25 <laughs> European Cup campaigns. So that works out roughly to around one final every three or four campaigns, which in itself is mental. And the club's always kind of, been associated with the European Cup, hasn't it? And the Champions League and, and these big European nights. And we've got another one to look forward to in Paris in a few weeks' time. And just what is it about Liverpool and, and, and the European Cup? When you look at English clubs, if we win this, that's seven you know, miles ahead of the next best in Manchester United um, with three. Why is it that Liverpool is so associated with this competition? I just... I don't know what it is. I can't find the words to say what it is. I just think the atmosphere, obviously the history we, we had, even when we went obviously from the 80s to 2005 without winning it, you know, the atmosphere at Anfield on them Champions League nights was still, you know, absolutely second to none. It, it, you know, it, it was like Liverpool were used to being in the quarterfinals and semifinals when you know, Liverpool went through a period of time without qualifying for it. So, I don't know what it. I, I just think it's you know certain clubs and certain players always step up in certain situations, and I, I just think that's what I think. As soon as that Champions League anthem plays, it's a completely different Liverpool team to to anything we see. The fans get behind it under the lights at Anfield. Um, it, it just seems to bring out a different atmosphere. Arsene Wenger has spoken about it before when he brought his Arsenal team in two thousand and eight to Anfield. Um, you know, it's just something completely different and. It's the same with Real Madrid. You know, Real Madrid can be three 0 down in the Champions League with twenty minutes to go, same as us. But because it's the Champions League, you always know that they've got a chance of of making it through, of of, of making a few goals and, and making a game of it. And I think when you've you know you've won it six times and you've had as many famous nights as Liverpool have, as you know, Saint Etienne, Olympiacos, Chelsea. Um, you know, it's hard not to, to have a love affair between the club and the competition. And, you know, long may you know, it continue because I do think it is the most prestigious trophy to win at the end of the season to say you're the best in Europe. I think, you know, it goes to say a lot considering the, you know, the level of talent that is in, is in Europe and the, le- the level of you know, teams by Munich, Real Madrid, Juventus, Liverpool City. Um you know, I think you find more competition in the Champions League than you do in the Premier League this day and age for how far away we are from, from Chelsea and, and the rest of them. So it, it's always a competition you look forward to. The draw, or even for the group stage, who's playing who, you know, when's the first game. You know, it's, it's, it's absolutely massive. And like I said, long may it continue because to have five Champions League finals in, in, in my lifetime, you know, it's, it, it's more than some people you know, we'll, we'll ever get until, you know, you live to the age of 80. So, you know, you can never beat a Champions League final with your mates. 
And looking ahead, not just to that game, but for the rest of the season, still in the, with a shout of the quadruple in May. No team has ever been in with the chance of winning it, winning the quadruple at this stage of the season, even if, you know, obviously hope that we, we, we win it all. But if we were to lose against Chelsea in that FA Cup final, that would still be the, you know, the, the furthest any English team has ever got in terms of like times of the season. I think Chelsea in, in 2005 or six under Mourinho, they got to around the start of May, um, but we can get to at least the 14th of May still in with a chance of winning the the quadruple. What are your thoughts and feelings towards it now? We know now that Liverpool are going to play every single game possible this season, which in itself is a crazy achievement. It's never been done before that a team who's been in the Champions League, FA Cup, League Cup and Premier League have played every game. The, the nearest thing we have is that Liverpool team in 2001 where we got to all the domestic cup finals, but obviously that was the, um, the UEFA Cup, not the Champions League. So that in itself is a first. So we know we're going to be playing all the games, but just how many trophies are we going to have in the cabinet at the end of it is the question. I guess well, we've asked it a few times over the last few weeks, but now we're a little bit further along and it's still very much very much an option and I think the you know I still think the four I, I, I was speaking to someone about this the other day I do still think there's a slip up in Manchester City obviously the, the, the hope is now that we do go on and we win everything as, as we say um, but with so much to gain there's also quite a lot to lose I feel like and um if the season was to end with just, for example, the League Cup and in the cabinet and everything else was lost, it would feel it would feel like a really big. I don't want to use the word failure because making it for all of those competitions is obviously massive. But what do you think it takes now for this season to look like a good season or a great season? Does it have to be winning everything, or does it have you know if we win just the League Cup and just the FA Cup? Where would you categorise that as a season? Or does it have to have one of the big two in there to be considered a good season, do you think, of the Premier League or the Champions League, whichever one it is? I think it has to have one of the big two in there. Uh, I think it's either going to have the Premier League or the Champions League. I think at the beginning of the season, they're the ones that the fans set the sights on. They're the ones that, you know, you, sometimes you know at the beginning of the season, you know, as soon as... Liverpool's group is drawn, you know, fans are booking the tickets for the final. Well, not the tickets, but are booking, you know, hotels and, and, and flights to you know for the final in case Liverpool get there. You never see them doing that for the Carabao Cup and, and the FA Cup. It's you know, it's just a different kettle of fish. But I think with Liverpool being in the final of the Champions League and being one point behind Manchester City, it's it's gotta be one of them too, because you know, we've seen teams like Swansea win the Carabao Cup. We've seen, you know, Leicester won the FA Cup last year and, and look at where they are in the Premier League this year. You know, the, you know, the bigger trophies have the bigger prestige and, you know, to say you're the European champions or to say you're, the, you know, the Premier League champions, the you know, champions of England, puts you in a, in a much better stance than you've won a trophy sponsored by a Chinese energy drink. You know, which... How it doesn't, which which is a sad state of affairs because at the end of the day, Liverpool, those Liverpool players have got winners' medals round the necks, and you know Liverpool have got a trophy in the cabinet this season. But I think for any big club, 
and you know Liverpool, City, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Juventus. You know their success is, is all about whether they win the Champions League or their own domestic league, not whether they you know they pick up a, a domestic trophy on the way. Agreed. I think if we don't have one of those two in the cabinet, it's going to feel like a, a disappointment, isn't it? If we don't have the Champions League or the Premier League, but we're going to win all four anyway, so don't need to don't need to worry about that. But, <laughs> and just before we go, we've got a little bit of time just to preview the next game for Liverpool, Tottenham Hotspur in the Premier League on Saturday evening. Like we said many times, this is probably the hardest Premier League fixture we have remaining. Um, Spurs fight for that fourth place. Harry Kane and Son have got a bit of, had a bit of form with Antonio Conte as the manager. They're fighting obviously with Arsenal, so they they really can't afford to drop points either. So it could be a real blockbuster um, clash, really, between between the two teams. Given what's on the line, it's a it's a massive weekend because City has to go to Wolves away, which is arguably one of their more difficult games they've got left. So at the end of this weekend, we could have a real clear picture of what the Premier League is going to look like, whether we drop points or they drop points or, you know, or it's as we were, we both win. But in terms of this game in isolation, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough one given, given what Tottenham are playing for and the quality they have. Yeah. I think the only thing with Spurs is you just never know whether they're coming or going. They're just so hot and cold. You know, they go and beat Leicester convincingly. But then we know we've also seen them get beat by Burnley. Um, so, you know, they're a confusing team. I'm really confident going into that game just because of, you know, with Liverpool at home, late kickoff, under the lights, you know, it'll be a great atmosphere there. And like you said, it's, it's going to have massive implications, I think, these next two games because, of, again, Liverpool playing ahead of Manchester City. Um, I think if, you know, Liverpool go... Um, can go two points clear again after Manchester City, you know, potentially failing to get through the Champions League. You know, I, I think it it could be massive, really, um, for Liverpool this week. Um, and it, it, it's another week where Liverpool can't afford to slip up. Uh, they've got to play the strongest team again. You can't go resting any players. I don't want to see... As well as he played last weekend, I don't want to see any more James Milner in the Liverpool starting eleven, especially in a game against Spurs. But I just think carry on this momentum, go and beat Spurs at home, put the pressure back on Manchester City, who, like you said, Wolves and all the probably sat on the beach at the moment because they can't get relegated, they can't qualify for Europe. You know, they're sort of in this, you know, this middle middle patch where. You know, teams for the final six weeks of the season can either play really well or play really poor. But I think obviously, is it West Ham they've got next after that as well? Uh, they've got Newcastle, uh, Wolves, Newcastle, and then West Ham, which, you know, it's a tricky three games for them to try and get through. And, you know, it's if, you, if Liverpool can pile on the pressure and hopefully at the time of recording, they don't have a good result tonight against Real Madrid. It could put Liverpool in, in a really good situation. I, I'm saying it could, I'm not saying it will. Saying yeah. it could put Liverpool in a very good situation. Yeah, I think Wolves, like in my opinion, this game at the weekend, this is why I think it's a huge weekend because I think it's both clubs' hardest fixtures left. I know people say, you know, West Ham have had a really good season and the form they've been in has been great. But if you look at their recent form, 
that in the Premier League, it, it's been very patchy because they've obviously been concentrating and, you know, you can't blame them for it, concentrating on the European games. We'll know by the time they play Man City, they'll either have nothing to play for because Frankfurt will knock them out this week or they'll have a Europa League final on the horizon again. So are they going to just rest their best players? And West Ham squad isn't the biggest anyway. So that's why I think Wolves is a bigger task for City than the West Ham game, despite West Ham having a better season overall, I just think, with the Europa League commitments. It's it. I can see them kind of rolling over for City a little bit, whereas Wolves, even though they've got nothing to play for, this Molyneux is a tricky place to go for any team. And they've had a really good first season under Bruno Large. They've got players that can hurt you and we just need a draw, don't we? We're not even asking for a win. So, fingers crossed that that can happen. And in regards to our own game, I think we'll get the job done. I think we've seen Tottenham and come to Anfield at difficult times of the season, but in the past, and we've managed to get get through them. And we've got we've got the better team, and the, that front front four or five, whoever it is, I think we've got the options there. Even if it has to be one off the bench or something, I think Liverpool will just get the job done this weekend against Tottenham. So could be a massive weekend in the title race and hopefully it goes our way but whatever happens we'll be back next week to discuss all things Liverpool so thanks James for your time as always my friend no worries thanks for having us again and let these conversations carry on (laughs) I think by the end of the season we'll be a bit greyer given every match is so (laughs) high pressure at the moment that that's what you know it's what we we love really isn't it because it means that we're fighting for the right stuff um so yeah, we'll be back very soon. Until then, you can get plenty more from us on our website, anfieldcentral.co.uk and on Twitter at anfield underscore central. But until then, thank you very much and goodbye.